Hello, I'm Design News Senior Editor Dan Carney. Coming up on the Engineering Solutions by Design News podcast, we talk to General Motors Executive Director of Global Hydrotech, Electrification, Defense, and Innovation, Charlie Fries, to hear about his fuel cell team's greatest challenge and how they conquered it. Welcome to the Engineering Solutions by Design News podcast, and thank you for listening. Today's guest is Charlie Fries. He's executive director for GM's fuel cell program, which has announced a partnership with Liebherr to produce fuel cells as auxiliary power units for aircraft. Welcome, Charlie. What can you tell us about the difficulty you faced in turning fuel cells into modular building blocks of power? We've been working on what we call a power cube. So a power cube is a box that integrates the fuel cell system with power electronics and a number of the other things that make the fuel cell work in a, in a standardized way with, with interface points that are, that are something that we, can, we, we know their locations and this can be an easier drop-in to these very diverse applications, whether it's a, an underwater submarine or an aircraft or a Class A truck or a locomotive. They all use the same basic power cube approach with these interface points that can be then put together in an array. So you might use one fuel cell, two fuel cells. In the case of a locomotive, maybe as many as 25 fuel cells. And that lets you scale it um, for the application with common interface points. That's that's one of the, the challenges that we kind of saw going forward and how we addressed it. Um, was it a bigger challenge to, uh, to fit all the components packaged with inside the, the, the dimensions that you were looking for? Was it, were there some, some of those components that exceeded those dimensions and they needed to be shrunk or was it just a puzzle as how you were going to arrange them inside that box? I think it's all of the above, actually. Um, some, of the, some of the technology we've evolved over time to get smaller and smaller. And so examples of that are, if you just think about the stack itself, we've increased the power density of the fuel cell stack quite a bit. So, so now we're at a point where each cell is able to produce like maybe half a, half a horsepower, if you want to think about it that way. Um, and we've been driving that, that power density higher and higher um, over, over the years. So we've gotten down to where the system that used to be, let's say, in the 2007 time frame, we called it the Gen Zero. Um, that system, when we went from that, which took an entire Equinox to basically carry that propulsion system, um, we went... The next step from there to what we call Gen 1, I mean, really creative uh, naming convention here, that was half the size, half the mass. So you can, and, and produced about the same level of power. So you can see how, how from an evolutionary standpoint, there was a dramatic reduction. And then we went yet another step beyond that when we went to Gen 2, which is the one we're commercializing now. That one, again, roughly a 50% re- reduction in the in the size. So that'll, that, that's one of the packaging challenges. But the other is, as you start start looking at how do you integrate this into a box, because all that basically gets packaged in the box with power electronics, cooling systems, all these other things, um, that's almost like a, a puzzle, right? Solving a puzzle. This is where the right. designers and the engineers work so closely together. And, you know, they, they, start, they start manipulating the data and try to find the best way to package it and get the tightest packing factor that still meets all the performance requirements. Can you talk about how uh, your your power cube compares with the auxiliary power unit that would be in an aircraft today? Um, what's so different for us is that we have basically were able to provide the same level of power 
um, with a much more compact unit that sits in in the back of the aircraft. But um, that's that's one one element of it. The, the the underserved customer needs, I think, is what's maybe the, the biggest part of the story. It, our waste products are heat and water, and it's a lot of water actually. And so that water can be useful as well as the heat on board the aircraft. So as you start to think about how you integrate these systems, now you can start to think about replacing the two tons of water that a large commercial aircraft might take off with in order to flush toilets and, and run sinks. And, and instead, we can make the water in flight. So that's an efficiency enabler. It's a space enabler. It's a, it's a weight reduction for the aircraft. These are all big, big value uh, elements for that. And, and what you can do is you can also take heat that's produced and use that to help uh, heat the passenger compartment. So when you, when you ask about how do these compare in size and and you know how are what, what's the, what's the trade-off or a comparison to the incumbent technology? Um, that's the answer is it depends because it depends on how you integrate it and how many of these system advantages you take advantage of. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us today and to explain the challenges that you were overcoming in developing this system, and I look forward to uh, flying on a plane that has one of these. Thank you, Charlie, and thank you for listening to the Engineering Solutions by Design News podcast, where we explore the solutions engineers have devised to their very toughest challenges.